a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. This is Mana. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Mana podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. I'm your host, Jeff Peterson. Now, none of the guys you're going to meet on this podcast would consider themselves extraordinary, but it's their humble, holy way of living that makes them extra to me, and I'm excited for you to meet them. Now, uh, today's guest is unique uh, among the low and many guests we've had here on MANA uh, on a couple of fronts. First, uh, while the nature of this podcast uh, is to kind of feature regular, just everyday Joes who aren't necessarily steeped in scripture, much less work uh, in the field of faith. Uh, Today's guest is indeed a gifted uh, leader working squarely in the realm of faith formation. In fact, that's that's how I met him. Uh, And and speaking of how I met him, uh, or rather when I met him, uh, leads to the second unique characteristic of today's guest. Um, As we've been getting this podcast uh, off the ground, for those that are listening, thank you. Uh, but as you know, as we've been getting this podcast uh, off the ground, I've been introducing you to men in my life that that I've known for a long time, like childhood friends and brothers-in-law, long-time co-workers. Um, but uh, full disclosure here for everybody uh, listening, I, I think I've, I've known today's guest for, I was doing the math, I think it's been about nine months. Uh, so we've had just a kind of gestation period there <laughs> of nine months, uh, maybe, but, uh, but whether he likes it or not, uh, he's in for a lifetime of friendship for me. He's not going to be able to get rid of me. So sorry. It's just the beginning of a long, 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 uh, friendship. Um, again, you really don't have much say in that. So one thing he does have in common though, uh, as I did a little research on our guest today, uh, it, one thing he has in common with other guests is his proud MIAC background as a graduate from the University of St. Thomas, or at least formerly MIAC, and now they're off to bigger pastures, of, after which he went on to receive his master's in theology, uh, uh, and the only thing uh, from uh, St. Paul Seminary, and the only thing more impressive uh, than that is the title of his thesis, which I did research on, <laughs> get a little of this, it's, it's uh, an historical and theological survey of the Catholic doctrine of predestination. <laughs> so, he, he, so, suffice to say, we're going to be dumbing it down <laughs> quite a bit today. Uh, but uh, so, yes, uh, but at least for me, you're going to dumb it down. But most important, as with all the men on the show, he's a devoted husband and father, uh, a reflective and yet really, really engaging guy who has a simultaneous gift of both inspiring and extracting deep thoughts from others, which is just what has made you such a gift in my life. Uh, And he's a kick-butt musician, to boot, which we're going to delve uh, into a little bit more uh, in a little bit. So please welcome today's man-a-man, Mr. Andrew Allen. Hello, Andrew. Hello. Wow, very kind words and I, I guess I wasn't expecting you to bring up the thesis. <laughs> so, oh, man, it's been a while since I've thought about that. Well, it is very impressive. Well, not some of the contents, but... Uh, yeah. Do you have it around here? I do. Is it's, it like, bound? it's not bound, but okay. I have a little sort of uh, uh, MacGyver-bound yeah. edition. I can imagine you could take that out You know, as your kids get older and they're complaining about some term paper or grousing about something. You could take that and say, hey, listen... <laughs> 
it could be worse. <laughs> Indeed. But uh, but and, uh, anyway, I mentioned in, in the intro how you're a little bit different than uh, some of our other guests. And, and the other difference and, and that I didn't mention in the intro because I wanted to save it as kind of a way that we kind of kick off here today is, is um, you know, a lot of the other guests that we've had on the show, uh, and I think it's, it's probably um, by nature of the very sort of just kind of everyday kind of work a day kind of kind of guys none of them have really had what you would typify as like a a, a major like conversion mm-hmm. experience where all of a sudden they were just like oh my gosh um you know everyone if you if you think of the the frog in the water the the the, the, the heat was turned up just kind of as they, their life kind of went on and all of a sudden they're like oh my gosh like I'm a man of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when I met you from the very first time, you know, I remember we very naturally just kind of, you know, started talking about our own, you know, kind of faith journeys. And you've got a great, you've got, I mean, it's not like a, like a, like a, like a Paul getting knocked off the horse kind of a thing, but, but you have a, a, a really interesting and inspiring kind of story of conversion. And I thought it'd just be great to start there just to kind of talk about that. And, and, uh, and then we'll kind of take it from there. Wow. So how far do you go back? <laughs> I mean, well, I'm thinking of like the band and just kind of, yeah, I mean, yeah. just having kind of, kind of that period of life, which again, a lot of guys and just be ready as, as Andrew tells the story, we're going to have major like rock star envy here. Just so fair warning, but just kind of in that period, you know, where, where you, you were spending a lot of that time and, and just how that kind of. Well, yeah, well, maybe, maybe I should just uh, give it some context in, in terms of who I am as a person. And part of this whole thinking back on this time is thinking back on my whole life, you know, and, uh, thinking back, uh, I realized that a pattern emerged in my life coming from, uh, this, this desire, this, this sort of, uh, natural passionate desire I have for the loves in my life. Right. Mm -hmm. So from an early, from early on as a kid, I fell in love with something like sports. Right. And it was just, I put everything into it and, um, I wanted to, in that discovery of that love, I wanted to really understand all of the beauty of it, all of the goodness of it, you know, and uh, to kind of squeeze it all out mm-hmm. and experience it all, you know. Um, but I've found that the pattern has emerged that these things that I've loved so intensely, I've, I've found a place at a certain point where they, they couldn't give what I was longing for, you know. Mm-hmm. And so um, uh, at a certain point, I realized, well, you know, sports, I love it and... Um, uh, it, there's so much joy in it and so many good things about it, you know, so many uh, virtues that can be um, attained through sports, team sports and otherwise. Um, it just wasn't it, yeah. you know? And I remember the moment, actually, it was that my dad won tickets to the uh, seventh game of the World Series. 91, I think it was. Oh, okay. Is that 91? Yeah, well, 87 and 91, yeah. Yeah, 91. <clears throat> so Atlanta Braves, yeah. Twins. Wow. At the Jack Metrodome. Morris, yeah. Jack Morris, you know, he threw that, that amazing game, uh, low scoring, and they won. Uh, and my dad and I were, were just seeing the eruption of celebration, yeah. you know. And I, I, at that moment, I realized, like, this is awesome, but this isn't it. Wow. You know, like capital I. So it. how old were you? Like uh, middle like, school. Wow. Yeah, but I, it wasn't like a religious experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, even that to I have understood. That. Yeah, but even but, to have that's that's a pretty reflective. I mean, that's cool that that you could sense that. You know. Yeah, and so that was kind of a sign to me that I needed to look elsewhere for whatever this great this thing is that I'm searching for. You mm-hmm. know, big searcher. 
Um, so I continued on. I discovered music. Uh, my brother played guitar. He taught me a few chords so he could solo off of my rhythm. <laughs> you know? Yes. And uh, Everybody needs a rhythm guitar player and a bass player. That's right. <laughs> so he was a brilliant gu- guitar player. He taught me some chords, and I, I uh, took to it pretty naturally. And I would sneak into his room and play his guitar, and uh, it, I, it just came fast, and I just fell in love with it. So I'd, I'd be playing Zeppelin and, like, learning guitar to Jimmy Page, you know, yeah. and like listening to <clears throat> the Doors and all these different bands and trying to just yeah. craft my style of guitar playing. Um, so music became my thing at that point in my life, later on in high school and, mm-hmm. you know, and beyond. But it was about that time as well that I really started to um, uh, become enamored with some of the, you know, like the grunge movement figures. Yeah. And I became, uh, I became... I guess anti-establishment, you know, and kind of uh, frustrated in a in a very teenage way with mm-hmm. with society as it was, quote unquote, yeah. or whatever, you know. And so uh, that was that was my my disposition going into playing music. Um, but anyway, long story short, we get to this period in my life, mid twenties, and um, uh, the passion that I had for you know sp- sports. And music, and then romantic relationship with my girlfriend, who's now my wife. Um, I saw in all those things like that. I was trying to, I was trying to find something deeper. You know, I was tr- like even even a romantic relationship. If you, at a certain point you realize that the if you ask the other person to fulfill your deepest longings, you're asking an unfair thing. Yeah. Because they can't give that. Yeah. You know, uh, that would be a really unhealthy relationship. Yeah. Um, not that there isn't like a high form of love there and a great, uh, um, a great fulfillment in that, but it's not the end all be all fulfillment, you yeah. know? So, um, so at this time, my relationship was on the rocks because I wasn't, I wasn't committing and my band was kind of falling apart. We had reached some level of, of local success. And, um, but most importantly, I really found my voice on guitar and as a musician yeah. playing and singing. Um, and just as a quick aside, and this is your story, not mine, but just for those listening, just so you know, I mean, when he says, a, you know, modest, whatever you said, level of success, this guy's playing First Avenue. Okay. So your band was, I mean, a legit, like you, if you would have chosen to, I mean, you could have like taken it to that next level. I yeah. Mean, who easily. knows? Yeah. Uh, so we were definitely getting some attention yes. locally and we, we were writing some good music and it was, we were performing, you know, really well together and all of that. So yeah, it felt like we were on the verge of something mm-hmm. somewhat successful. Um, I don't want to make any claim that we were, you know, rock stars or we were just an amazing band, like high above others or anything like that. But we definitely had found our place in the music scene. Anyway, uh, that band started to kind of fall apart. So my relationship's on the rocks. The band is falling apart. Um, I'm finding that there was some hurt in the, in the band relationships, you know, like mm. uh, so one of the, the members was kind of flaking out. And, uh, and so it was a difficult time. But in that time, I started to, uh, to hear this voice and not, not audibly, but I started to hear this calling. Um, and it was through what I was reading. It was through these difficult moments, like with that member in the band I had to learn to forgive that person, mm-hmm. you know? And in that learning to forgive again, I rediscovered the Our Father, which of course is the root, uh, you know, the, the, 
a prayer of the gospel, if you will. And, um, and I just started to feel this tug towards something deeper, these bigger questions. And I was reading, um, what was it? I was reading this book called The Perennial Philosophy by Aldous Huxley. And what he does in that book is he tries to bring together all the, the traditions of the world, the mystical traditions, and try to say, look, there's one common denominator philosophy for, human, for humanity, regardless of what religious tradition you're coming from. Mm. Here are these principles, right? And um, at this, by this time, I had rejected my faith uh, for many years. Uh, in fact, I was quite hostile to the Catholic faith publicly. Um, but he had Catholic mystics like St. Teresa of Avila uh, you know, quotations in there. And I was like, wow, this stuff really makes sense. This is awesome. <laughs> and so I started to rediscover my faith through the reading, through these difficult times, and uh, ultimately through a, a friend of mine, uh, Tom, who is this rock and roll guy, Bohemian Catholic. Um, and he put the catechism in my hand. And he said, so I read the perennial philosophy, then I read the Brothers Karamazov, um, which has a lot of religious uh, themes in it. Yeah. And uh, then the catechism, I read the first part of the catechism, which is the creed of what we believe. And just all of those circumstances came together, and I heard the voice of God in the catechism. Wow. And I put down that first part, and I said, this is true. I believe every word of this. Wow. And so I told my girlfriend, Michelle, who is my wife now, I need God in my life. And then two weeks later, I said, I'm Catholic. And she was like, what? Because <laughs> she had met you and, and had known you. In the context in the, of rock and roll and yeah. you know, working in bars and stuff like that. And yeah. yeah. So it was a very, very big change yeah. for our relationship. But you knew. I mean, it just, you had that feeling like that was what was going to fill everything. I mean, that was yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. So um, I just started to have this vivid sense of the presence of God. And it first started with God the Creator. You know, like everywhere I went, I just saw his hand behind everything mm-hmm. as a causal force, you know, and I could just kind of bike through the streets of Minneapolis and sing you know, mm-hmm. hymns of praise in my heart. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my, you're here. Like yeah. you exist and you are behind all of this. Um, but it was through that catechism and then later uh, going to RCIA as a fully initiated Catholic mm-hmm. and really learning the faith as an adult yeah. um, that I discovered Christ. Did you ever find yourself in that period then? almost like looking at yourself from above or from, uh, you know, alongside you, looking at your life now and going, okay, I, I can't believe this has happened. Like, I can't believe this just happened. Like, because I would imagine as a very intelligent and reflective guy from a young age, and ironically, it's that very same sort of like, as I'm hearing it again now, it's that same really sort of gifted sense of, um, you know, it's kind of thinking and reflection that actually got you into that sort of when you're saying you were almost hostile to the church it's like likely because you were able to not over intellectualize it but you're very you you know you're you're so adept at being able to um not argue from an argumentative state but just have those sort of like you can you can think through all those things you know and you can think yourself out of just because sometimes faith is just it's just faith so anyway when you're in now this period of 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 conversion and it's all happening. Did you ever, <laughs> as you're biking and, and feeling so, did you ever mm-hmm. find yourself going, okay, I can't believe this. I can't believe I'm doing this. Like, I can't believe this is happening to me. Or was it just when it happened, it was just like you're riding the wave. You know what I mean? It and was didn't so, question it at all. It was so intense. 
God's presence to me was so intense that I had no time for self-reflection in that way. Wow. Because I was fo- I was just like gazing. Yeah. I was in a gaze. I was locked in this gaze of God. Wow. You know, and, yeah. and I was just completely falling in love with, uh, you know, especially uh, God in Christ, you know, this, mm-hmm. this divine savior, the, yeah. the incarnation, you know, God becoming man and speaking to us and showing us the way and ultimately... Um, you know, just transforming the whole destiny of the human being. Yeah. So I was just it, it's completely so cool. narrow with that. Yeah. So, so in turn, you talked about the relationship with your girlfriend, then soon to be, but how about other relationships, like with whether it's, you know, former bandmates or, you know, the bar scene? And what was that like then to now it's like Andrew's different, you know? And, and was that hard to, I mean, did you run into um, friction with now having to sort of like, be this sort of, you know, new man? Or did you find that, like, obviously it worked out okay with your girlfriend, but I mean, did you find that that most people were supportive? And, you know, or, or what was that like? Yeah, there was, uh, there was fundamental support. I think there were probably a lot of people who just were completely confused by it mm-hmm. because um, this was not a part of, my typical language or behavior in the past, you know? Um, But to be honest, the the friction, most of the friction that came was because I was too zealous for my faith at the beginning. Not, not in a a healthy zealous way. (laughs) I was, you know, I was like, I wanted to, I was so completely overtaken that I just wanted to pour it out everywhere, you know? And, um, well, kind of like what you're saying, I mean, from a character standpoint of, of just diving in yeah. to everything, whether yeah. it's sports yeah. or music, just this, this. Yeah. So I'm sure I sounded like, like <laughs> insane at times or like, uh, just really hitting people over the head, you know, with, with my experience. Yeah. Um, so that, that caused friction within family, you know, and, um, uh, of course in my relationship because Michelle, she didn't start dating um, a guy who was super, super into his faith. You mm-hmm. Know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a, there was a big, um, a, that was a big learning curve for us as, as a couple. For mm-hmm. Sure. So when did you, so you've got, you have this personal kind of, you know, epiphany conversion. When did you, um, and maybe it didn't feel like you were deciding, but to take all of these <laughs> gifts that you've that you've had with your whole life and whether you were you know directing them towards sports or music or or just you know school when did you realize that you know kind of all those superpowers could now be used for good you know and getting into the line of work that you're in and, and ministry through even music you know as, as I as I uh, as I personally was able to experience through one of the retreats that we were on and I'm listening to you you know play this beautiful you know, spiritual music and thinking, okay, that's the same guy. And I didn't know you back then in the day at first Avenue, but those same gifts now are being directed. I mean, it's exactly what God asks us Mm -hmm. to do. Take these gifts and now, now, you know, all for the glory of God. And so when did you realize that, okay, I'm going to take all this stuff and now I'm going to like, cause there's a lot of people who have conversion experiences and they, and they're, they lead perfectly wonderful lives still, you know, being an accountant or whatever. I mean, you don't have to necessarily like, you know, take up the, when take up the cross and actually do, do the, the, the lower work. But when did you realize that that is how you wanted to do it? You know, that, that is how you wanted to live. Yeah. There were stages of that. So f- fundamentally, um, what I was 
taking in in the faith was that I, I needed to serve and that felt very genuine, you know, some, I need to serve in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I needed to get my life in order. So I had dropped out of college. I was playing music, you know, so I, and I wasn't, <laughs> I mean, we, we were pursuing music, but we weren't necessarily doing it in a responsible way. Yeah. And a lot of it was cover for just goofing off <laughs> in my early twenties. You know what I mean? Yeah. So not being educated, um, uh, not building any kind of stability for myself or for a future family, you know? Mm-hmm. So I needed to go back to school and get things in order. And so I got some generals done and then um, at MCTC, downtown Minneapolis, and knew that I was, was going to go to a Catholic college. I didn't mm-hmm. know where it was, but St. Thomas was pretty much the only game in town. Yeah, right. And so yeah. I was like, well, I guess, I guess I'm going to St. Thomas. That's, the, <laughs> you know, Catholic Mecca. Right. <laughs> so I go there and um, uh, through... I first went for social work because I thought, well, maybe I'll serve in this way, you know, uh, more on the corporal works of mercy side, you know, mm-hmm. how can I help people get just basic necessities, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but I soon discovered that I, that I was drawn to the, the saving truth of the faith. And so I discovered Catholic studies, the program over there, and that was my, my major. Mm-hmm. And in that, um, in that discipline, or I shouldn't call it a discipline really in in that work, uh, I discovered a call to educational ministry. I thought, um, we are so poor in the truth in this country. You know, Mother Teresa, she was more um, uh, shocked by America's poverty of truth and hope than, it, than she was of its material poverty. Mm. And this is a woman who's been around yeah, some a lot serious of poverty. Yeah, right. You know? yeah. um, not to say there isn't a serious issue with poverty in the States, but... Um, she saw that, that we need to be filled in a different way. And I thought, man, this truth is filling me in the deepest sense possible. Um, I want to share this with others somehow. Mm-hmm. So uh, I ended up going into Catholic studies. And uh, I, it was actually at a Theology of the Body uh, conference uh, that I went to with my, my wife, um, Christopher West. You know Christopher West? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he was giving the, the yeah. conference. And it was during that time I thought, man, I just want to go into education. I want to teach the faith. Yeah. And so that was the turning point. And that's what led me to the MAT, uh, Master's in Theology. And I thought, well, I'm either going to teach in a school or, or work in educational ministry in the parish setting. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, so, so now you're on this path and, and, and uh, for those listening um, at home, uh, we're, we're, we're recording this in Andrew's basement and his parents are here. And so I just had a chance to not only, you know, get to, I'm getting to know Andrew and I just met his mom and dad. So, so now, you know, you're, you're, uh, what was it like for your mom and dad? You know, do you remember, did you ever have conversations? So now, because now you're, you're on a path and, uh, and now you're on this, not only going to college path, but it's like, oh my gosh, not only going, you know, it's like everything's now really, really falling in line. Like what was, what kind of relationship, how, how did that, how were they, experiencing it with you i think it, it was probably a little weird at first for sure um mm-hmm. because i started to resemble in in my religious practice my grandparents you know and just think mm-hmm. of that dynamic like you know people of that age yeah. passing down the faith like ro- praying the rosary every day and that yeah. sort of thing and then my parents generation maybe a little less traditional yeah. in that sense you know and yeah. um and and I'm singing grandma's praises and the rosary and all this <laughs> stuff. And they're like, oh, this guy's, yeah. man, what's going on here, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, I think that that just continued to 
become normal, you know, mm-hmm. and, and in our relationship and then it developed. And then, um, I think in many ways, uh, we've all had kind of, uh, changes of heart in terms of faith, yeah. kind of in the, in a similar timeline. So yeah. we've grown together. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you talk about that, that, and I hadn't thought of it until you just said it now, but that is, I think one thing that I also just am so grateful to have met you and, to learn from you because you are a, and I think this would happen even if it didn't, wasn't part of a, like a, like a day job, quote unquote thing, but you are able to help people, especially within the Catholic um, tradition, obviously be uncompromising in what, what, we believe and, and, and how we are asked to, to act out our faith, you know? So when you talk about things that, that maybe other generations prior to us didn't really give two thoughts about because that was just what you did, you know, you're, you're, you are a bit of an apologies for this, this sort of secular vernacular, but you're like an old soul when it comes to a lot of the things about the church that generations, our generation and, uh, have, uh, and I'm not blaming Vatican too, but you know, that we've sort of like, ah, ah, I don't really need, you know, mm. don't worry about that. And I'm just wondering how, how, how does that land? Okay. In, in your work, you know, are, do you find, cause i I find it to be so, uh, effortless and, and, and eloquent and, and you're able to strike this again, uncompromising sort of like tone, but not in a, strident like take it or leave it you know kind of a way i mean you're you're you're, i mean you're working with young young kids you're working with you know older adults and i'm just wondering how how do you do it you know and and is it something that you have to be conscious of like okay i totally know this person i'm talking to wants me to kind of maybe capitulate here a little bit and say ah it's okay or whatever but but you don't and and you do it and you do it uh what am i trying to say you, you don't do it in a way that is still very like, oh, okay, yeah, all right, I get it. It's almost like you, you embolden others to be as kind of uncompromising as mm. you are. And I'm just wondering how, that, how conscious you are of that. You know? well, that's good to hear. I think, uh, I think in ministry it's, it seems pretty easy to me just because um, I'm called to uh, celebrate and defend the faith, you know, and the celebrate is an important part in terms of that tone that you're talking about, mm. I just feel like we should celebrate this, you know? Yeah. Um, I've discovered the greatest treasure in the world, and it's out of this world, and that should be something that we celebrate, and that makes it easy to defend it. And mm-hmm. I think to sound um, genuine and, and authentically in love with the faith is to be uncompromising at the same time. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah, so it's not, it's not that you have to, it's that you get to. Whatever right. it is, yeah, it's yeah. like a, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. The, the the difficult place for me is in my family, I think, because <laughs> you know my kids probably they probably get like a lot of dad faith, which is um, mixed in with discipline, and mixed in with uh, you know probably of course family sees like the worst sides of each other, right? Yeah, yeah. So so I that's the place where I wonder like well. It's great that Jeff hears like, this really celebratory, <laughs> like get the good stuff, uncompromising yet, you know, inviting yeah. tone. Yeah, at home, I don't know how that's. I yeah. hope it sounds like that. Yeah, I, think it does. I think it does. I think it does. All right. Well, hey, we gosh, we could just uh, there, there's, there's no, we don't have any time limit on this thing, but I just I want to be respectful for everybody's time, and we could talk forever here, um, and and we have more to talk about. So we are we are now to the uh, 
a little bit of a regular uh, uh, segment uh, here on the show called the fun segment. Horribly named, but the spirit of it is is uh, is is just for fun. So, um, and as everyone knows, these are questions that have been shared with guests in advance, and so they've had plenty of time uh, to formulate some just wickedly creative and witty responses. And and so, no pressure, but wow, based on the title of your thesis, <laughs> you get you better come with game on these. So, uh, I don't even know if they're thesis worthy. So, fun segment question number one: If Jesus knocked on your door tomorrow. Um, and just wanted to hang out. And back for the listeners, just to context, Andrew's got about, you know, a, a good deal of mulch in the driveway just waiting to be spread. So maybe, so this could maybe be the answer to the question. But if Jesus knocked on your door tomorrow and wanted to hang out, what would you do with him? Oh, my goodness. I mean, <laughs> my brain goes in so many different places here. <laughs> um, like the first question is, is, is he appearing like in his glorified mm. manifest, like what am I going to experience here? Am I going to be falling down on my face in adoration yeah. or does he come to me in a gentle way, you know? And I mean, are you, s- I don't know. Okay. I, I know in, in, uh, apropos of you, nobody's ever asked that clarifying <laughs> question. Okay. I've got a clarifying. So just however, however you imagine it, I guess. And it's just a hangout. You know, it's not, a, it doesn't have, to, it's not yeah. anything. He just wants to just be with you. Honestly, I think I would just want to listen. I just want to be with him. Yeah. And I'm sure I'd have a lot of questions, you know, but um, just to be in his presence would be a, the gift in itself. Yeah. You know, I think I'd be overwhelmed by that, mm-hmm. which sort of separates these worldly activities. But at the same time, I mean, maybe I'd want to eat. Like maybe we'd have a great meal together. That yeah. would be awesome, actually. That'd be awesome. You know, crack a bottle of wine. We could break bread together. Yeah, yeah, that would be amazing. That'd be great. All right, fun segment question number two. <laughs> uh, if you could go to church, if you go to mass with any other guy, okay. So now we're back to manna and kind of a focus on men. So if you could go to church with any other guy, living or dead, uh, but you can't say Jesus because we already talked about Jesus, and we've already established what you're going to do with him. Uh, who would it be? Go to mass. Mm-hmm. Okay. It could be anybody. Any other man, living okay. or dead. And I'm going to your, d- the your, clergy count? You're going to church. Sure. You can, you okay. can yep. Mm-hmm. I think, just off the top of the head, um, I would love to spend some time with Fulton J. Sheen. Oh, yeah. I'm fascinated by his personality. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, have you seen? Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that stuff stands up. I mean, people will be watching and listening to him for decades. I just found him, I find him to be um, captivating when Mm -hmm. he speaks. And so to hear him preach, and then maybe afterwards we could have some dinner together. Yeah. And I could just let him teach. Yeah. You know, I would love that. Yeah, oh, that's a great. All right, and finally, fun subject question number three, and this is someone if you want it, you can you can lean on um, your actual work because I'm sure this has come up um, in in sort of the, the job, uh, or you can or you can pull out something else here. But fun question number three: If you had one piece of advice to give a young man about being comfortable. One piece of his advice. Faith. Lots of things we'd want to tell our young men out there, but the, what's the one piece of advice that you give a young man in, in, in helping him feel comfortable in living out his faith? Yeah, so I think I would say take it seriously and know what your faith is. 
Mm. Um, Because I think so often we can get pushed around by, um, you know, talking points and uh, 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 just statements about the church that really aren't accurate, uh, you know, coming in through the media and other places. Um, So to really dive deep and to know the faith, I think, is the first step in feeling comfortable with it. Yeah. Um, I think so often we have a caricature of the faith. Um, and oftentimes uh, we carry that caricature from adolescence all the way into adulthood. And so to really look at it, um, you know, if, 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 if a young guy is really into somebody like Jordan Peterson, you know, who's like this, and, and there are a lot of young men who are into, you know, his, his, uh, his thought. And it's very intellectual, very deep, you know, and it mm-hmm. takes seriously um, the questions that young people have. So I would say, Find people like that in the church who represent the church, like a Fulton J. Sheen or like, yeah. um, you know, uh, Bishop Barron with Word on Fire Ministries and just start understanding the riches of the faith and yeah. all the spiritual and intellectual patrimony that, that it has. Um, and that will bring you into a place of confidence and comfort, mm-hmm. I think. I love that. The second thing that that clears up, too, is all these misconceptions, you know, um, you can you can defend the faith um, uh, by knowing it intimately. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and like you say, it's worth it's worth taking seriously. You know. Yeah. And I love so much about your story. You know, again, whether it was sports or music or marriage, it, it's 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 being all in and in such a blessing in your life that you found that thing that really can be all. Mm-hmm. You know. Because all the other things you can be all in, but it, there's a, there's it's like a container. You can you won't be able to fill it up so far. And, yeah. And, and, and can so I add a third thing? Yeah. To yeah, I, yeah. Would, I would say um, if you're questioning the faith, if you're questioning, um, you know, what it means to be a Catholic, um, a man of God, ask God what it means. <laughs> I mean, like really, like and bring everything to Him. You know how the psalmist brings everything to the Lord, like all the complaints, the sadness, the fear, the difficulties, but also the victories and, you know, the, the celebrations and the praise. Bring all of that to God in very honest prayer. Yeah. And I think that will reveal the faith to, to the person, you know. Just trust, trust that God is the one driving the boat. I mean, if it's real, God is behind it. Yeah. You know. That's great. Thank you, Andrew Allen. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to MANA. If you have any questions or recommendations for future guests, send them to manapodcast at gmail.com.